Give a little time for the child within you. Don't be afraid to be young and free. Undo the locks and throw away the keys and take off your shoes and socks and run you. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. And I'm Jordan Morris, boy detective. And this is Jordan, Jesse, go! This week on Jordan Jesse Go, we're joined by comedy writer Curtis Gwynn to talk about movies, prison tattoos, and more. Let's go. It's Jordan Jesse Go. I am Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. Joining us this week on the program, you of course know him as the supervising producer yep. of <laughs> IFC TV's The Grid. Uh, you know him for his creative involvement in the Adult Swim television series Fat Guy Stuck in Internet, mm-hmm. in which you both uh, wrote and acted, correct? Yes, yes, I did. You had roles on both sides of the camera. Yeah, it was a full investment. Kind of like Kenneth Branagh, would you say? Was that is that accurate? Yes. Sort of like Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet. It hurt twice as much when it was rejected by viewers and, <laughs> uh, and the network alike, yeah. <laughs> So. I thought I've always thought uh, some of Kenneth Branagh's uh, writer, director, actor stuff is better. Um, I liked his direction in uh, in uh, all, Much Ado About Nothing, but I did not like the script that he wrote. Hmm. Well, it I seemed think, unnecessarily confusing. I think we can all agree Thor is going to be great. Yeah, <laughs> is, is, is Kenneth Branagh involved in Thor? He's directing Thor. Oh my! Well, how does he get that job? Yeah, it seems like. It, yeah, it seems like... He's like never the... really shown a flair for directing, has he? <laughs> no, or action, which... Uh, yeah, well, no, it's, it's... I think he caught wind that uh, Darren Aronofsky's doing The Wolverine yeah. too. Oh, sure. So he's got to... I mean, him and Aronofsky always have that kind of... They have of... just our bitter enemies. Right, right. Bitter, bitter enemies. <laughs> Creative. It's, all, it's always tit for tat with those yep. two guys. Yep. <laughs> and by tit for tat, you mean one is consistently great, while one lingers in obscurity for years upon years. I mean, you know, Branagh does a version of Hamlet in 1996. Sure. And Aronofsky comes back and does... Black Swan in 2010. I mean, that's the kind of tit for tat. I am not opposed to the artsy director directing blockbuster film thing. Yeah. I am not opposed to Kenneth Branagh. Uh, But I don't understand what qualities in Kenneth Branagh they decided were appropriate for... Was it just because he's European? Yeah, well, I guess this (laughs) Thor story, from what I understand, is going to be set largely... In the Viking world of Asgard, sure. So yes. it will not. It will. I guess most of it will not take place <laughs> in the real world. Asgard. Oh man, awesome! <laughs> That's what I've got to do when I'm walking around West Hollywood. <laughs> oh right, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Filled I get with it. Right, I get it. Um, so I guess maybe they thought like, oh, he's done medieval y stuff before, so right. he'll probably be good at this. <laughs> well, I mean, John Favreau hadn't. Well, I guess he did Zathura, but he hadn't really. Established himself as a big action director before he did Iron Man. I think these guys just. But he had done an action movie, whereas Kenneth sure. Branagh has done none. But all these guys hit the same age. It's sort of like you know, why does a big actor just start doing big budget 
you know, they hit 40 and they're just yeah, like, you know, yeah. screw it. I'm going to do big budget action movies as an actor. I think directors feel the same way. Why would I? But like Darren Kenneth, Aronofsky. But how does Kenneth Branagh get to pick his project? <laughs> That's the real question. Yeah. Like, I understand. You don't have to convince me why Kenneth Branagh would want to direct a huge motion picture. Right. He doesn't have, he's not up to anything. <laughs> He's he's doing he's doing a, a a West End production of Driving Miss Daisy. Yeah, working yeah. on his American accent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, why why do they why do the people at Disney or whoever it is that owns Marvel isn't it Disney that owns Marvel Comics now? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Why are those people like? Why do they look at a list Paramount at a list of people who know how to make direct films, Mm -hmm. which Brenna does? He's directed films before. Sure. How do which? What is the quality of him? He looks kind of Scandinavian-y. Yeah, he looks like he could direct the movie. He's blonde hair. He's tall. He's very, very sort of ashen and um, yeah. Ruddy, I think you know. So I don't know. I, I mean, I think it's a, it's a situation. Where he, I think he's been nominated for several Academy Awards. So when you print your DVD box or your Blu-ray box or your Netflix symbol, whatever, <laughs> it's going to say Academy Award director Kenneth Branagh directed sure. this movie. It elevates the, the entire film. He won the Special Academy Award for Shakespeare pronouncing. Correct. Yes, he did. <laughs> yeah. uh, they they did away diction. with that category. Why did they ever do away with that? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, hey, speaking of movies, yeah, uh, I learned recently that when the Beverly Hillbillies movie was released in Spain, it was retitled Rustics Go to Money Town. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that, that um, Knocked Up in China uh-huh. was, is One Night Big Belly is the, is the, is the <laughs> one, night. one Night Big Belly okay. is Knocked Up. Gotcha. Yeah, there's a great website. I can't remember what it's called, but your listeners will find it, or they haven't already. Where it's just all the it, the different movies translated into like the worst cult, you know, worst cultural manglings from from country to country. It's pretty pretty remarkable. Curtis Quinn here, of course. Jordan Morris. I'm Jesse Thorne. We'll have more of Jordan Jesse go in just a minute. It's Jordan Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. I'm uh, Curtis Quinn. I'm I'm sitting in with these guys today. They had kind enough to invite me. You can think of a snappy nickname if you want to. Uh, no, no, no. That, I, okay. that's what I thought that was. It's just a snappy nickname. That is my snappy nickname. Just a very literal explanation. During of algebra class, on. if you take a look at his notebook for algebra class, there is just a long list of rocket themed ones and big dick themed ones. Just page after page of possible nicknames, and that's what he settled on. Sure. Okay, fine. I'll, how about um, Uncomfortable Third Wheel? No. Oh, I think that's I think that that torpedoes your appearance before it's even begun. <laughs> no, it's it does what I like to do, which is you set a very low standard oh, okay. and bar. Sure. And then you're when people are surprised by when you're competent. And then you only have to be competent. You don't even have to be extraordinary. You understand that we're trying to get people to like our show though. Yes, but I think if they it's a combination of feeling bad for me right away <laughs> and then on uh-huh. top of it surprised and their expectations exceeded they'll go wow you this guy he's really something exceptional 
what I've that's just a trick. This is what I think might happen. And maybe I'm projecting here in the mind of the mm-hmm. audience. They listen, they say, Who is this sad sack yes. guest? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna open up my information phone <laughs> and a click around a little bit, and I'm gonna listen to one of those Kevin Smith weddings. <laughs> that's five thousand dollars worth of entertainment. That, that oh, he does he does the smart cat. They, they they record those weddings. They record weddings. Wow, yeah, I didn't know that weddings. they did them, but I didn't know they recorded them. Yeah, for a wedding podcast. You guys ever gonna do something like that? I did a wedding, but I foolishly did not charge five thousand dollars, which was just should. a catastrophic mistake on my part. That's an error. We you have been it. thinking about podcasting the dog fights we host. You guys host dog fights <laughs> and you don't record them. Yeah, I mean it's weird because it's like. You know, there's a visual element to it, which is right. the dogs killing each other. Would you guys right. describe it? As, would you guys be like but, the hosts of it? I mean, I think, Curtis, if you've ever been to a dog fight, you know that what you're really there for is the banter. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Of, well, of course. The it's play friendships, by play. and it's funny, and it's it's the fun people that you meet. It's not really the dogs killing them each other. Yeah. We will have, like, interviews with, like, the dog's owners and, like, people who are betting on the fight and, you know. Sure. The characters, with. the colorful characters that make up a dog fight crowd. Sure. Right. Absolutely. You get yeah. it. Absolutely. Just the other day, Phil Spector was at one of our dog fights. How in the world did Phil Spector get out of jail? For oh, we had the dog fight in the jail. They allowed. The, the, I, this is outrageous. These, my money goes. People like Phil Spector in jail are allowed to have dog fights brought to their cell. Uh, to be fair, we smuggled the dogs in up our butts. How did you? Okay, never. All right. Now you're pulling. Now I know you're pulling my leg because I'm looking at your guys. <laughs> Butts right now, and they're not yeah. big enough to hide a dog in them. I am bent over, and my butt is open towards you. <laughs> to give you a chance to accurately gauge the size of my rectal cavity. I see a narrow. small tea, set, uh, tea, tea party set up, and I see <laughs> a little tree, and I see a, a squirrel, but I don't see there's no dog in there. Yeah. This is a lie. Are you sure you're not looking through, you're not looking through the looking glass? Oh, my God. The looking glass is, there is a, in your butt. Is there a white rabbit in there? <laughs> yeah, there is. I, well, how did you get the looking glass? Mad Hatter, <laughs> perhaps. Oh, we're just having some fun, you know. This whole hey. magical ass world sounds better than that last <laughs> Narnia movie. Am I right? Wow, hey. good job. Thank you. I just learned. I had no idea that Harry Potter takes place in in a world with cafes. Until yeah. I watched. Uh, I was watching the David Letterman show, and one of the stars from Harry Potter was on it. A, a, a lovely young woman was on there whose name I don't remember, but she plays Harry Potter or something. Ingve or something. Ingve Malmsteen. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so anyway, Ingve said we're going to sh- see a clip from the film, and they're sitting in like a cafe eating sandwiches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I weird... thought it was. I thought the whole. I thought it took place in a, in a magical fantasy world. It does, but you know, I saw the film. Right. They, Which one? There's. Def- Did you know uh, there's been more than one? I can't believe that either. There's there's nine. Uh, you don't believe that the most successful book franchise of all time has been turned into several movies? No. No. I don't know. I didn't see any it's of them. It's just a good business movie. I've I seen, didn't read any of the uh, books either. I've seen every I don't, single one. I don't okay. think... I don't believe that this is a successful book franchise, Jordan. I've never read them. It's the most, yeah. of, the most of all time. How come, how come I haven't read them? The most of all time? What about the Bible? Uh, no. Trump's Bible. It beats the... Harry mer- Pro- are you going on record with this? And then what about... Uh, like? Uh, Christmas Carol or something. It sells more than a Christmas Carol? Yeah. Curtis, yeah. just so you know, Jordan isn't basing this on sales. He's basing it on his own complicated literary oh. Rochambeau game. <laughs> sure. So, well, okay, never mind. Well, in any case, they go into Earth. Well, they're always on Earth. Yeah. But they go from their magical world to a magical, our world. But there's a magical realm 
is that, that non-wizards are not aware of. So they live yes. where? They under live, the ocean. In a, in, under a dome yes. under the ocean. They live... In, with Aquaman. And Namor. Or with Namor. What's his name? I forget. No, Namor the Submariner. Yeah, yeah. the Submariner. <laughs> but yeah, they live in some fantasy world. And, then and people... also also Edgar Martinez, the Seattle Mariner. Yes. Was someone who he should be... Uh, the first DH Hall of Famer, I believe. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting assertion. About. Yeah, because he's been a DH his entire career. Jordan, he's been a DH hitter. designated hitter. Yeah, okay. I think he's retired now. But he... I'd say he's. I'd say he certainly surpassed Harold Baines as the greatest oh, designated hitter of all time. Absolutely, absolutely. No Sorry. So it. they live under the sea. Yes. Um, and there, there's like there's there's Yoda. There's uh, talking uh, sponge. Talking sponge. There's uh, who's it and what's it galore. Who's, there's all sorts of things down there, <laughs> and they can breathe even outside the dome. They can breathe underwater. Curtis, can I ask you a question? Yeah, they got thingamabobs. They got all sorts of thingamabobs. They got web feet and uh, <laughs> thingamabobs, and they swim around and they have adventures with one another. It's, it's Harry and Ingve and the other one, and they swim around. They have a nice time, but occasionally, you know, something like a Tie Fighter will attack or sure. whatever and right. they got to go into our world and they come up for sandwiches for for first well not exclusively they but- essentially in the clip that i saw they had a shootout that looked like it should be in um it looked like it would be in some kind of gangland film mm-hmm. like something taking place in an italian restaurant or like a chinese restaurant with italians eating in it mm-hmm. it seems like it seems like when people are trying to convince you to see a kids movie, right? To convince an adult to see a kids movie, the arg- or read a, or same same read a kids book or to you know ingest some sort of media that's primarily for kids. The argument is always, oh, it's dark, oh, it's dark, <laughs> yeah. and that's what people say about yeah. every Harry Potter movie. Oh no, you'll like this one. It is dark. Yeah, the, the assumption is that you are now a malignant fuck who right, only wants yeah. to see dark things. And people really things. seem to like, think I don't see a lot of dark material for adults. Like, that's the name of another children's book. His dark materials is a Harry oh, Potter. Okay. That's another one. Sure. People and really do adult. people really do seem to I get well I guess I fair, see a fair amount of adult dark material. Anyways, sorry. Go but ahead. The, the people really do seem to see the difference between children's material and adult material as specifically darkness. Yeah. Or swearing. Yes. People, yeah. I remember people would tell you about uh, when I was, you know, 10 years old as a comic book reader, people would tell you about which comic books were for adults, <laughs> you know, which which were like the ones that proved they were just the ones with more brutal violence. The, oh, sure. It was the same like themes, the gym, but more this the, brutal. This is the Jim Lee era. Yeah, this exactly. Comics. This would be the it's Jim like Lee era. Or in, and, immediate, and immediately before the sort of sure. uh, spawn. Yeah, your various your bat Batman brooding about things. Yeah, I mean, I remember very clearly thinking that, like Spawn, like you guys had referenced Spawn, it was very adult mm-hmm. when I was a kid, and I remember watching that cartoon. And I guess I was, I don't know, late teens or maybe some when that cartoon came out on HBO. And I remember thinking it was very sophisticated mm-hmm. to watch Spawn. To watch Spawn, I was like, well, this is what this is the cartoons that adults watch, Spawn sure. and everything else. And now when I go back and look at it, they're like, oh, oh I don't know. Really Have you, you so teenagers. you've revisited Spawn since? No, no, no. That was a lie. I I haven't revisited Spawn, but if in, in your mind, in my mind's eye, when I I imagine myself rewatching Spawn, yeah, and I imagine kind of scoffing. But I think that's I think that's a that's like a legitimate strategy. Like, is there something no. you can do to kids' entertainment to where kids thinking they're think they're watching something for adults? Right. Like it seems like, and that's I will tell setting you, your Harry Potter movies in a I in watched a urban wasteland. 
I watched today uh, an at least theoretically children's entertainment. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the film Where the Wild Things Are. Oh. Yeah. Um, holy that was, Christ. That was a mistake. That was like the bleakest film I've ever seen in my <laughs> entire life. Yeah. Like, I've yeah. Al- look, I've always been an advocate of uh, elements of darkness in children's entertainment. And I don't think it makes it not be for children. Sure. But certainly, I've always been a big defender of Babe Pig in the City. Yeah, it's great. That's uh, I think it's good, if not better, than the original. Great. Thank you. And um, I appreciate that, Curtis. Mm-hmm. Jordan just makes fun of me, but I appreciate <laughs> I have never seen the film. It's great. It's really it's terrific. I, I, but I anyway, I, um, I, I'm a supporter. I'm not against it at all. Um, however, as an adult... I can say that uh, Where the Wild Things Are provoked uh, basically a uh, 100-minute existential crisis for me <laughs> uh, that I'm still struggling to deal with, and I finished watching it like three, four hours ago now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't, you know, I saw, I also, I think every children's, uh, any great piece of children's material is going to, just like a great piece of adult uh, material, not pornography, but adult Sure. Adult, uh, th- not excluding pornography. Not excluding You're pornography. not excluding like a well-made porn. No, of course, you know something you know, like the Avatar parody, sure, but on the green door or whatever. Sure. Um, but it's we kind of went different directions. <laughs> I went Avatar parody. You I went, went classic seventies. <laughs> Uh, they they all a have elements Brady of danger. Porno. They all have very very uh, lar- sure. uh, elements of danger, and they should have elements of danger because then a kid kind of gets introduced to this idea, and it's and it's and it's exciting. And I remember as a kid, those are the things that even if they sort of frightened me, they definitely stuck with me. Sure, and I've come to appreciate over time what I didn't like about where the wild well, things the wild are. things are. And though I like uh, Spike Jones and uh, quite a bit, um, I thought it was. I just didn't like. First of all, I didn't think the voices were appropriate at all. I, yeah. James Gandolfini, and it was just like, it just sounded cheesy. Like seeing these wonderful sort of beastly creations, and then, and I like, I like James Gandolfini too, but it just seemed like a cop out. You're like, you're not really making it dark because these guys are like, hey, how's it going? I'm the the wild thing. How's it, how are you? And I just thought that was Except ridiculous. That, what I was shocked by in the film, and I actually, I mean, I can't say I, I can say that it mostly upset me. As an emotional effect. And for that reason, I'm inclined to say that I didn't like it. However, I think I probably did uh, see it as a successful film on its the terms it was shooting for. But holy mackerel, like, in a normally, in a traditional dark children's film, there are scary challenges which are overcome. I think the themes in... I saw the uh, Mike Lee movie the other day, uh, Another Year, which uh, I think is either just out or just coming out. I saw, I saw it in a like a you know press screening, but uh, it's either just coming out or, or just out, uh, depending on where you live in the country. And um, it, it's basically... I don't know if you're familiar with the movies of Mike Lee, but essentially he's a British director. Uh, he directed Secrets and Lies, among other movies. And, and he sort of gets together a group of actors uh, with a sort of idea for a theme and, and maybe a little bit of an outline and, or, or a situation, and then they workshop over the course of weeks and months uh, the script for a film together through improvisation and all these different techniques that he's developed over 30 years, and then they make these films. And the result is these very naturalistic, um, just spect- the best acting you'll ever see in a movie, and just really... Um, uh, they're very powerful and uh, beautiful, but also very little tends to happen in them. Um, and, you know, maybe there's just one inciting incident, and then it's just dealing with the consequences of that, something like that. And this movie was basically, it was a, sort of about getting older and death. It was a really beautiful sort of excavation of that. It's something you don't see a lot in the movies. 
and um, and sort of the the ultimate message of it was just acceptance of the way that life moves. You know, it's about the way that, and I kind of feel like that was as close to a triumph as uh, where the wild things are got. (laughs) Like all these, like even the most joyful parts of where the wild things are, you were just burdened in your soul by the knowledge that this was going to turn out horribly. Sure. <laughs> like you could see at and every moment. Also, none of the jokes were funny. <laughs> I don't remember any jokes, jo- honestly. <laughs> I felt like I felt like there were some attempts at, at kind of cutesy yeah. poo humor. And uh, I, yeah. you know, I just hated where the wild things are. Really, to my very core. Yeah, I, I didn't hate it at all. I was disappointed. I, I yeah. didn't like totally hate it. I was, but I was angry at. I it. came out a little uh, disappointed. That's why I like Jack Frost, Michael Keaton's Jack Frost. Yeah, that's that, the right? best. There's a, That's the best dark children's movie. Sure. I think your father dies. He it's, comes back as a as a snowman. White, a wise cracking snowman. A wise cracking snowman. Are you trying to use the same technique on the movie Jack Frost that you were originally going to use on our podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you like Mike Lee and those movies, and I think that this movie, uh, Jack Frost. Does the same thing. I, I heard that that director, I don't know who it was, also assembled Michael Keaton and those actors. And sure. They, and they, he said, what if, what would happen You know if? who directed Jack Frost? The guy who directed uh, all of Mr. Show. Um, You're kidding me. No, he directed Troy Jack Frost. Miller? Troy Miller? Troy Miller. Troy Miller. Sorry, wow. Troy. Well, who I'm... also, I think, work, you think he works extensively on, or worked extensively on Flight of the Concords? Yes, Troy works a ton. He's, he's done a lot of work. I think he did some stuff with UCB as well. If I'm not mistaken, I might be mistaken about that. Yeah. But at one point, yeah. at one point, Bob and David uh, hated him for allegedly ruining their horrible movie. Yes, Run, Running, <laughs> Run, Running, Run. Their disastrous movie. Yeah. That couldn't have been saved by anything. Yeah. It yeah. does have some very funny stuff in it. Yeah, it's not. You know, they won much of a home run. I mean, that was like one of those movies I was very disappointed. Yeah, by. I feel like they blamed the editing a lot for that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Ah, I remember watching it and trying to imagine yeah. a way in which the editing wouldn't have. And again, there's totally is funny stuff. In sure. there, um, but it was ill-conceived. I think was the problem, right? Yeah, I don't think it was the the, the movie to make. But anyway, he directed Jack Frost. Wow, that well, was his other big cr- feature credit. That's I. Well, I'm saying I'm, I'm lauding Jack Frost, and that uh, sincerely, they, sincerely, and I oh, think I that tell. they they got. They got peak performances out of Michael Keaton in a mostly voice voiceover role. <laughs> the so the secret to getting a good performance out of Keaton. Right. Well, is... you got to go in a time machine or yeah. he's got to be CGI. Uh, did you, yeah. Did you see the other guys? Yeah, I thought it was pretty good in the, the other guys. guys. He was. He was good. I like yeah. Michael Keaton. I root for him. Sure. I want him to come back. He's good in Toy Story 3. Yes, he is good. He is good. Nothing wrong with Michael Keaton. That guy's thing. I mean, that guy's great. I loved him growing up. He was like one of my comedic heroes. I loved him. Looking at Out of Sight. How great is he in Out of Sight? Dream Team. Uh, so many good movies. Uh, Gung Ho. Uh, Mr. <laughs> Mom. Batman. Johnny Dangerously. Johnny Dangerously. Yeah. These are all Michael Keaton movies. <laughs> yeah. that all, we've listed. We've listed most of them. He I think is featured in all these films. Jordan, <laughs> I need to I need to ask you about something important, which yes. is in Michael Keaton got my mind towards it. Uh, yeah. It is the it is the vein of um, uh, actors, uh, character actors of the 1990s and 2000s mm. who often turn in surprisingly impressive performances in small roles. 
Michael, like Michael Keaton's part in Out of Sight. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm wondering what your story is that you alluded to before the broadcast with uh, Ving yes. Rhames. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, I had to do a press junket situation with Ving Rhames. Uh, for those of you not familiar with the lingo, press junket, one of these things, a uh, celebrity is in a room, reporters kind of line up and spend four minutes with the celebrity asking them questions. I think we should promote. also explain who Ving Rhames is, just in case <laughs> Yeah, people... someone wasn't... What is he best known Marcellus for? Marcellus Wallace from yeah, Pulp Fiction. Yeah, Pulp Fiction the, is his... The head um, gangster. He was, also, uh, he was also a pitch man for Radio Shack for quite some time, wasn't he? <laughs> yes. Alongside uh, he like was... Howie Long and Terry Hatcher. Uh, he was the he was Kingpin in the Daredevil movie. <laughs> yeah, um, that didn't make any sense. No, um, are you sure? I think you're racist. I think that was Michael Clark Duncan. Yeah, I think uh, Michael Clark Dun- Duncan. <laughs> yeah, was, maybe. Uh, oh, no, no, I think no. it was actually. I think you guys are racist. I don't think you're so. thinking of Michael Clark Duncan. Somebody in this room played. is racist. Someone is racist. Someone is racist. <laughs> you're thinking of Michael Clark Duncan, who played Balrog in the. Street Fighter Legend of Chun-Li. No, I think that was William the Refrigerator Perry who did that. Oh, yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> uh, well, anyways, Jesse is looking up. Ving Rhames, uh popular black. Sure. <laughs> popular acting black man. Uh-huh. Uh, anyways, so I was, in a, I was interviewing him for the, uh, for the movie, uh, the direct-to-DVD movie uh, Death Race 2. Ooh. Uh, this is, of course, based on the Death Race remake from a few years ago. Didn't you really love the Death Race remake? You know, Death Race remake is good. Oh, stop it. That can't be true. It is. It's fun. You should should watch it. It's a ton of fun. You're a discerning fellow. Statham? Statham is in it? Statham is not a selling point to me. Really? You don't like watching him kick a guy in the face and then drive a car and grab a woman by your crotch? It looks like Michael Clark Duncan played Wilson Wilson Fisk slash the Kingpin in 2003's Daredevil. It's the basis. <laughs> there we go. Maybe you were I do thinking... a little dance to that chant, by the way. <laughs> Jordan, I hear it so much. To be fair, maybe you were confused because you thought he couldn't have been in that because he was too busy with his part in The Land Before Time 11, Invasion of the Tiny Sauruses. Whoa. <laughs> what? What? There's 11 Land Before wow. Times? They've been making that seriously. I remember when Land Before Time came out. I think sure, I was yeah. Like, I think I was like a, a freshman in high school or something. I mean, that was when that was when Don Bluth just had carte blanche to make whatever, whatever. he wanted to. Yeah, he was the Bob Evans of yeah. that era. He was riding high off an American tale. Five goes west. Five going to go west. <laughs> we I'm sorry, we have no money for Five. He's going west. <laughs> I do what I want to do. Bluth does what he wants. That's him doing blow. <laughs> That's As he's screaming at someone. He, he doesn't oh, no, care. No. That if it was... costs more to do a period film. No, exactly. <laughs> I want the costumes. I Everything want the will cars. be to scale. <laughs> he wants the cars. <laughs> Bluth. Classic. I want all original cars. No repros. I don't want any repros. I want classic cars from the time. <laughs> uh, it's the old west. There were no cars. I want real talking mice. <laughs> Get me real talking mice. What? And then you'll animate them? Yes. I don't understand. I want them for inspiration. <laughs> then I'm going to animate They will do them. their own voiceovers. You, you can't draw voices. You can't draw voices. Blues can. Blues can. <laughs> Should he be talking in a crazy French accent? <laughs> is he French? Is he French? I think so, right? Is Tom no. Blue French? Tom I don't know. Did he, he? Was he involved know. in Cool World? No, that's uh, that's the Bakshi, other guy, Ralph Bakshi. Oh, mm. sorry, Bakshi. Sorry, God, forgive me. Yeah, uh, Bakshi's a whole other kettle of fish. So anyway, I was Vin reading Rames. this. I was I was reading this kind of film anthology book recently, and they talked about Cool World as one of the worst movies ever made. Is that is that? Has anyone have uh, you seen it? Yeah, I've seen it many times. Is that accurate? <laughs> <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> 
it's uh, Brad Pitt and uh, Gabriel Byrne. Okay. And Brad Pitt's been like sucked in. He was like a military guy in the like World War II. He gets sucked into this animation world. And then Gabriel Byrne's in jail and he gets sucked into the, He He's an artist. I guess he's playing Ralph Bakshi and then he gets sucked into the world. And then they have an adventure, sort of How like a town adventure. If you had only one word to describe this world, what would it be? Um, oh, God. I, it's, I'll, the more will be said with the inflection, I guess. Right. Boring? <laughs> you know? I, I think it's, not cool. <laughs> no, it's definitely not a cool world. It's really violent and dangerous, and humans in the world are really hated, and... Uh, it's not cool at all, and I don't get it. It's like very crime-ridden. It's rough, Bakshi. You know, it's sort know. of a remake of Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Uh, <laughs> sure. Exactly, exactly. You know, Ralph Bakshi, I, I just, you know, he's like just, he's a very What else? Is, I've, never, I've never heard uh, he the name did, before. He did the movie version. His first movie was the movie version of R. Crumb's uh, Fritz the Cat. Oh. And R. Crumb, like, just disavowed it. He was like, this is the opposite of what my character is. This is horrible. Because it was like very, um, it was all like anti-hippie. It was a very anti-hippie movie. and <laughs> Just like our crumb. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly like our crumb. And then Wizard, he did Wizards, uh, which is a oh, really sure. weird yeah. sort of World War II-ish fantasy sort of thing. And then he did Lord of the Rings, uh, the original Lord of the Rings animated films. And he flipped out when Peter Jackson came out with these movies he's like he stole from me Peter Jackson's a thief he like <laughs> stole everything it's like wait a minute no, you were both They're drawing both from the same source material he's like oh the imagery it's they don't look anything alike you know it's this <laughs> rotoscoping it looks crazy it's very I mean I liked it because um, it was very psychedelic and as a kid, even though I didn't know what psychedelia was, I liked that weird imagery. You liked to get high. I loved to get high. Right. But not on... You were smoking nutmeg at the I was time, smoking. of course. I was just <laughs> nutmeg. This is just... pre-salvia days. We didn't right. know what to do. We just smoked what nutmeg. What did kids do before salvia? Yeah, you sure. St- you steal booze from your uh, parents' liquor cabinet, mm, which is yeah, kind of yeah, what sure. I did. And then I, then did you, you fill it up a little bit with water? Did you yeah. Like, okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, my dad didn't notice. I don't think he... He had his bar, but he never like he never had to check. I don't hmm. know. He never noticed. I don't know. He never noticed. <laughs> Jesus, he never noticed. <laughs> noticed. You're just trying to get attention by stealing oh, booze. Oh, God, where the wild things are. <laughs> oh, God. So, uh, anyway, Ving Rhames. Ving oh, yeah, Rames. Ving Rhames. I've always liked Ving Rhames. Same here. As an actor. He's very captivating. Sure. I've always wondered why he's not... He's he's not uh, you know he's sort of stumbled along in his career. Yeah, yeah. And, and he and you know even in this direct to DVD sequel to a remake, uh, he's <laughs> he's good. He plays the kind of psycho warden of the prison. Uh, he's very funny in it. Uh, real mean. Sure. Um. Anyway, so what, what race is he in the movie? Uh, he's a black man. Sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, Michael Clark Duncan like in that sense right yeah. exactly gotcha um, playing his race they call it in Hollywood uh-huh. mm. sure um, I like to I go in for auditions where I'm auditioning against race which is another Hollywood you've term you've got to you've just got to audition against race yeah. sure uh, so that's when you pull back your eyes <laughs> and you audition and say, to be Mr. Miyagi sure right 
It's disturbing. And it's say, disturbing. It yeah. is. It does not get you any roles. No, ever. people just look. Well, down why do at you think you. you've been in movies? A movie. Sure. I haven't been in any movies. It's because I keep going in for Mr. Miyagi. Yeah, yeah. you can't. And who was? Why are they casting Mr. Miyagi all the time? What is? The, what <laughs> yeah, in the world is going like, on? I think you've well, been after the success are of the, pranked. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're getting pranked. No, because after the success of the, they added Mr. Miyagi characters. They just usually get taken oh. out in editing. Oh God, mm. I didn't know. That's a Hollywood <laughs> secret. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Most movies have a Miyagi in their role? original cut the producer's cut they call it so, has a sagely Asian man that's yeah. like that's like kind of like a, a Alan Smithy slash you know the what is it the uh, the the what the German what's the guys the scream the uh, you guys Edvard know? Munch? No, no, no. You guys know about that, right? It's the something scream. I can't remember. Oh, no, uh, the Wilhelm The Wilhelm scream. scream. These are little well, I don't know what that trivia. is. This is a scream that you hear in every movie. There's Every a, movie that uh, needs a screen, they've been using the same stock scream about really? one yeah. third huh. of screams, men's dying screams. And directors like to use it because it's like a tradition. Oh, funny! I didn't know that. It's, it's in Star Wars. It's in Rares, the Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's. I think it's. I think it was from a Tarzan movie originally or something. Somebody gets eaten by a crocodile or something, and they scream really wildly. It's like a really outrageous scream. Would I rec? I mean, because I can. Um, you would recognize. I can it. think of like a popular scream in my head right now that I've heard a lot. And I'm thinking maybe that's this probably is it. the one. Is when, that the one in Return of the Jedi? They they do it. It's when they they break into the bunker where the shield is being generated from for the to protect the Death Star, mm-hmm. and I think Chewbacca or somebody knocks somebody over a railing, mm. and he goes like ah! It's like this crazy scream. It's a really <laughs> yeah. outrageous scream. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. So Ving uh, Rhames. So Ving Rhames. Uh, and uh, this uh, well doc. I've explained about just. In case, for some reason, you're listening to the show for the first time, uh, for my junket interviews for Fuel TV, I do like a funny bit. I don't usually talk about the movie. I do like a funny bit. And in this, I'm wearing this kind of orange prison jumpsuit and a do-rag, and I'm having people give me prison tattoos with like a magic marker. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm saying my goal is to be the uh, toughest prison gang leader of all time. Here, Jordan, I'll, I'm just going to, for just a oh, second. Oh, this is Wilhelm scream. Yeah. Uh, here we go. Huh, that was not the scream I was thinking of. No, this is just it in various films. <laughs> <laughs> it's in like dozens of movies. These are movies from like the 50s too. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And now like my Is that directors. one like movie, uh, is that like one film studio that uses all those? Is that like in every Paramount movie or something? I don't, I don't know. Some of those were from the 50s, so you got to think, I, I wonder if anybody controls that copyright. I don't think they do, because mm. uh, Lucas puts it in in Fox. Well, those were Star Wars and oh, Fox huh. movies, okay. and, and Spielberg uses it for Paramount stuff. I mean, I think it's across, I think it's open or something. Hmm. And it's a little little reference that sound designers and sound editors put into stuff. This is really neat. I think that's very neat, guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm delighted by how neat that is. Okay, so Ving Rhames. Ving Rhames. Uh, you're, so you're trying to, to be the prison toughest tattoos. prison guy. That's your. That was your bit. That was my bit. Okay. Um, anyway, so as soon as I get there, people are coming up to me. People like people from the publicity firm are coming up to me and asking me, "What are you going to do with Ving Rhames?" <laughs> and I explained the thing. He's like, okay. And then they list these things that I can't say to Ving Rhames. They're like, you can't ask him about the original Death Race. You can't say wow. anything that implies you haven't seen Death Race 2 yet. You can't, like, say, you can't, like, ask him to describe something that you should know about. Like, 
it's so they're really on edge and i guess he's been like shutting people down and sending reporters away and let's be clear Asking someone to describe something that you should know about is the basis of interviewing. Right. Yes, yes. Sure. That's essentially yes. what interviewing is. Making this making this all the more unreasonable. You try and figure out what it would be what someone would be what someone has to say that's interesting. Uh, and then you ask them to say that to you. Sure. Yes. If you there's a clip uh, Paul I think we talked about it earlier Paul Shearer um he was in Piranha 3D with Vang Rames, mm-hmm. and he was telling stories in the AV, the Onion AV Club. There's a link, if you guys check out Onion AV Club with Paul Shear's interview, there's a link to a radio interview. Paul says, if you want to know what Ving Rames is like, listen to this promotional Piranha 3D like talking he does with these radio hosts. So if you can find it's on YouTube. Okay. Definitely look it up. Uh, yes. I did not know. I guess Ving Rames has a history of being nuts, uh, but I did not know this going into it. Um, so, you know, from the second I walk in there to the second before I go into the door, I have different publicists from different sides of this thing coming up to me. And I don't think it was just because I was wearing a do-rag. They seem to be doing this to everyone. Like, they seem to be just, like, overly prepping everybody to deal with this unpleasantness. Did your orange jumpsuit have sleeves? No. No. Were they picking on you specifically? Again, no. Sure. Um, Were you allowed to have a belt? No. (laughs) (laughs) No shoelaces, no belt. Sure. Um, Don't look him in the eye. Um, So I go in there, and I sit down, and he basically immediately and unpromptedly starts talking about George Bush. (laughs) Great. Just complain, just talking about George Bush... And I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna try and I realize me trying to do his voice will sound racist, right? But I feel like it helps the story. And you've established already a reputation for racism, racism within the context him and of Michael this program. Clark Duncan and yeah. who played the villain in the Daredevil remake? Daredevil remake? Daredevil movie? Yeah. Um, he's, if you, if you, you know. do some Song of the South, okay. stepping and fetching voice, because sure. that's not what Ving Rhames sounds like. No, no. Okay. I will be playing the spoons though. <laughs> oh no. Um, he has sort of a he has sort of a deep Julie Andrews type voice. Yes, he does. That's right. So he's just like you know. George Bush ruled the country with fear. He, you know, and and just all this stuff. And I, and I don't know where he, how that started. I still can't. I must have said something to prompt that. But he's basically like, the Bush administration ruled the country with fear. They used and misinformation, you know, to turn the people into sheep. And I, anyways, uh, sure, I would maybe argue that George Bush was a lousy president. But why are mm-hmm. we still talking about this at a thing for Death Race 2 directed DVD. Mm-hmm. In which you're in character. Right. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. I can't believe there is a press thing for Death Race 2. That seems, that's the sh- most shocking thing about the story. Yeah. Uh, Who's the press? Who's setting this up? Uh, I, I don't know. It was the first, I, yeah, it was the first directed DVD press thing I'd ever been to. Wow. Uh, it's, I guess, a little more high profile than your usual directed DVD. Well, I mean, thing. with the success of Death Race. Sure. Yeah. Well, you're right. I forgot. Death Race was so big. It was huge. It wasn't Jack Frost big. But... No, well, nothing is. And uh, Thanks for bringing up Jack Frost, because I do want to say that that is <laughs> so a... Many times. About it, many like times. <laughs> Sorry, Ving Rams. Uh, so then I said, then I just said, randomly, uh, do you want to give me a prison tattoo? <laughs> and he's like, you want to see a prison tattoo? I'll show you a prison tattoo. And he lifts up his shirt... He, he takes off his jacket and lifts up his shirt 
and reveals a chest covered in scars. Whoa. Covered in deep, horrible scars. And he's pointing to it. Uh, and and he's like, he's like, yeah, that's a prison tattoo. And so I moved to leave. I just moved to leave. I just want out of there. Like, it's... It, it, you're phys- you're genuinely yeah, like afraid. I feel like I as a as a racist <laughs> as a racist and a man who's much mo- smaller and less forceful than Ving Rhames. Sure. Yes. Uh, he's like, and then I get to leave, and he's like, "Hey, yo, you want me to give you a prison tattoo? I'll give you a prison tattoo." And he takes one of my magic markers and draws X's over my eyes. Wow. And yeah. then I leave. <laughs> and I sit down to do my next interview. Uh, and then the publicist comes and taps me, and she's like, um. There was a um, there was a problem with your tape, um, so we're gonna need you to come in and do the interview with Fing again. Oh my! <laughs> Which is like asking me to relive the most terrifying four minutes of my life. I don't want to do it. Like I'm I'm terrified and creeped out, but I'm like, well, I should just do it. So I I, I go back in, and I sit down. And before the camera's on, he he's like. Have you really ever been to prison? I'm like, uh, I and I don't know if I thought this would be funny or why I said it. I'm like, no, but I did go to college at UC Santa Cruz. <laughs> <laughs> Zing on yeah, Santa Cruz. Yeah, I don't know what that. I just something I said. I just I don't even know. I don't even understand why I said That's it. That's like myself. a T-shirt. At the end yeah. of the day, we did go to UC it's Santa true. Cruz, and <laughs> that is a funny college. Sure, it's a funny thing to say to Ving Raves when you're afraid of him. All yeah. Right. Uh, and so the thing starts up again and he just like yells off screen to somebody like he's i think he knows what he's doing at this point he's yelling to someone he's like get my nine millimeter get my nine millimeter and he's like you know what that does bam kills you dead and then i'm like i don't know what he's talking about he's like all right you want a tattoo take off that jumpsuit can you take off that ridiculous ass jumpsuit and I'm like, uh, yeah, I guess I can. So I unzip it. I don't have a shirt on underneath. He's like, turn around, turn around. So I kind of get on my knees in this director's <laughs> chair with this jumpsuit hanging at my waist. And he takes the magic marker and writes, sorry, mom, on my back. And he's like, in prison, that's a tattoo they give you when you're somebody's bitch. And now you're my bitch. <laughs> and then I reach over to shake his hand. I'm like, well, thank you very much. And I reach over to shake his hand. He's like, whoa, I'm not gay. Wow. <laughs> and that was it. Wow. It's the it's the <laughs> craziest thing in the world. Wow. Yeah. So they were cool with they, they were like that was great. The publicist came out and was like, "No, that was good." That was the one we that wanted. That was the one. That's yeah. the one. And I'm guessing that first time I'm guessing there was nothing wrong with the tape and they just thought he was too crazy. And so but he... why would they then ask you to come back in right, for I've, a second I've, go-round? I've done that a couple of times where the publicists haven't liked the goofy thing that I did, and they just don't give you the tape. Like, when you leave, they give you a bag with your tapes in it, and they just don't include the tape. And then when you ask them why, they're just like, oh, they didn't like that one. So, so yeah, they don't really ask you to redo it, but uh, in this case, they did. And for some reason, that other thing they were happy with. Anyways. That's crazy. It was nuts. That is insane. Why does... Do you think he's... How, why does he get to act like that, I wonder? Well, what's amazing to me, honestly, is as somebody who, you know, has done a few little talent things here or there and has seen some a few little Hollywood things here or there happen, I'm always stunned at the extent to which 
someone who's in front of the camera doing whatever, um, th- it seems to be almost expected that they will behave weirdly unprofessionally. Yes. And that there's these other people and they're like, oh, it, it's my job to make sure that he... <laughs> sure. You know what I mean? Well, I think that... that, that- um, actors are are crazy sure. for the most part, and and great actors, not all. I mean, not all, but many, many, many. I was just there's there's a great. Um, if you want to like, you guys know all know Rip Torn, of course. Sure. Yeah, yeah, and I love Rip Torn. He's he's great. There is this amazing clip of him now in this. I think it's the late '60s. Norman Mailer wanted to make an art film about him as a president. He's the president. And he hired Rip Torn to play his assassin. The guy was trying to, the guy was trying to kill the president in the movie. But it's very artsy fartsy. It's like you know, just rolling hills. Very sixties hippie art film. And online, was it made in the sixties? Yeah, it's made in the sixties. And online, there was a clip of the movie. They just never stopped rolling camera. They just kept the camera rolling. And as Norman Mailer. And he's this president. He's playing this president. He's just, but he's just walking through like a grassy field. And Rip Torn runs up to him with a hammer. And whacks him over the head with a hammer, <laughs> and he goes down, and he's bleeding, and he's like, "Jesus Christ, Rip, cut, cut it out, stop it, stop!" And it's all real. And Rip Torn's like, "Come on, baby, I'm taking it to the end of the line, baby." And he's got this what? crazy voice. <laughs> he's like, "He's like, you knew, you, you knew when I took this role, baby. You knew I was going. You're gonna have to cool out, baby. Cool out, cool out." Norman was like, "Get out of here! Just cut the shit." He's bleeding, and then they start wrestling with each other and beat and like beating each other. And uh, they finally, you know, Rip uh, Norman Miller's family is there. His little children, and his wife are like screaming. Rip Torn gets off him, and he's all, he's like, and he looks insane he's just got this grin and he's just like he's like you're a whorehouse Norman Mailer you're a whorehouse I thought you brought me out here to make a real movie <laughs> like, <laughs> you're is, a whorehouse it's amazing I mean that it's was, online that was the first probably appearance of the Rip Torn that later <laughs> uh, woke up inside a bank <laughs> Yes, exactly. Exactly. I mean, these guys are just so crazy. I mean, this is, you know. With a gun. Didn't he have a gun, too? Yes. He broke into a bank. He's like, my medication. With a gun and fell asleep. Yeah, I was tired. I fell asleep and I got my gun out of my head. I don't know what happened. I'm old. I'm tired. I'm old. (laughs) I rob banks. There seems to just be a general (laughs) attitude that that kind of thing is fine because there's other people whose job I think it's almost like it's almost like a make work program for the like producery type people whose job it is to make to get, get point these people in the right direction right like is that what's going on I don't know I I don't know it's like I feel like I yeah it's I weird. almost I've... feel like if I'm if I like show up on time and am professional it's doing a job or something, and this obviously nothing to do with uh, the television program we both work on, The Grid, where everybody is exceedingly kind. But I almost feel like uh, if I show up and am professional, it's sort of like a disappointment, and I'm probably not that talented. I think that that's <laughs> insanely true. I do. I think that's true. The people are titillated by the expectation that someone's crazy. We all joke about, oh, this guy's crazy, or this girl's crazy, they're so outlandish, and maybe you don't want to personally be with them but it's almost as if they exist in this pantheon of of performers and people are are kind of titillated by and excited by obviously we have this whole culture of like oh that person fucked up or oh that person act crazy 
and we love it, and they totally serve a role. I have to admit that if they had one of those Radio, radio Shack commercials where uh, Ving Rhames just took it to Howie Long with a hammer, <laughs> and just Terry Hatcher's just screaming and crying. Be cool, be cool, Howie, be cool. <laughs> it's so just, cool, baby. They're just trying to... Sh- <laughs> Terry Hatcher's like crying, and she's just trying to show the camera the Motorola StarTac <laughs> cellular yeah. phone. Get out of here, Ving. Get out of here. Get out of here. It's cool, She's Howie. just like, Tandy sensation. <laughs> Tandy sensation. Now, that would be honest. It would Have be so radio honest. Parts. <laughs> really, and that's what we need more of in honesty, Radio Shack commercials. It's brutal, <laughs> Radio stark Shack has been, has been glossing over the truth right? for so long. you got to dig. Yes. you got to get into it. That's why I, I can't understand. Like, um, Although they did move in the right direction when they shortened their name to The Shack. <laughs> that's yeah. true. Although I thought about that the other day because I drove by a Radio Shack. And I thought, well, they haven't taken off the sign. It's not changed to the shack outside. The shack was actually a the shack was actually a compromise. The original suggestion, the agency they were working with, was to change it to Angel Dust. Oh, well, that <laughs> would have been that would have been a good move. Everyone would have been that would have people would have talked so much. Yeah. About the change from Radio Shack to Angel Dust. <laughs> <laughs> you want to build buzz. That's where I want to get my extension cords. <laughs> I mean, that's the, uh, half the, the bad behavior of the really famous people. I, I mean, honestly believe is that it's, you know, well, I got to get back in the, the news. Consciously or unconsciously, they go, I got to get back. Right. I can't, what do I, I do? I can't be banal. I can't, just, yeah. I can't just do this interview and describe Death Race Not... 2 direct to DVD. I have to rant and rave and And the world that they're all in like i was told an interesting story last night that warner herzog i guess it's on funny or die there's a thing of him talking real warner herzog where he's getting interviewed and he gets shot with an air pistol (laughs) no no, i didn't never that's a thing never heard of that well now i'm gonna watch that you gotta go on your youtube and type in Werner herzog shot interview well this is how he wants to continue the interview by the way after he gets shot in the face with an air pistol why wouldn't he of course he's Werner herzog he's the best. There's a, there's a thing. He's it's it's on Funnier Die, I think, and, and he's just narrating. He's like, I was driving in Hollywood, and in drive a sports car cuts me off and goes hundreds of miles per hour. It crashes and flips over, uh, and the gas is leaking from the car. And I pull over and I get out and I walk. And who is there hanging upside down by his seatbelt? But Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> And I go, can I help you, Joaquin? And Joaquin goes to light a cigarette. I go, I don't think you should do that. There's gas pouring from your car. And he pulls Joaquin Phoenix. Werner Herzog saves Joaquin Phoenix from a car wreck. If Jordan, Jesse go, I want to talk some more about Werner Herzog. We'll be back in just a second. It's Jordan, Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. And uh, Curtis Gwynn, who uh, still don't have a nick. I don't have a nickname. or don't have a... <sighs> I screwed it up. What about supervising producer? <laughs> supervising producer. I'm supervising producer. You know, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be supervising producer. Oh, no. Are you being Are you usurped? getting demoted? I'm, no, I, I, um, uh, I want to stay because I really love... I actually really do 
love Michael and and everyone there. The they're team so, behind IFC's the grid. The sure. nicest people in the world, and they've been they're spectacularly nice. wonderful bosses and and everything else. Um, but I just was hired to um, executive produce and uh, uh, co-write Paul Shear's new series uh, for Adult Swim. Uh, his, oh, his new send up. And I yeah, think that's going to interfere. Yeah, Law & Order, SVU. Yeah, it's NT, uh, NTFS, SVU, San Diego. Mm-hmm. And I think there's even more in there SV, now. Sport Utility Vehicle. Yeah, sport, sport SUV, yeah. I mean, it's like a whole thing. They, it's, I don't even, I'm working on it now, and I don't even know the full title now off the top of my head. It's like <laughs> a long thing. So. How, uh, how many episodes of that are they going to do? They're going to do 12. Okay. They're going to do 12, 15-minute, you know episodes and so we got to work on that and uh, i'm hoping to be able you're to the go-to both. guy for 15 minute tv episodes. hey if you need 15 minute television i'm your man I'm you your squid man. you yeah. peter you peter out at around minute 16 yeah I, well, that's the reality <laughs> every show that i make that's more than 15 minutes gets really lethargic and sluggish in the third act it just starts to to come undone it's it's pathetic yeah I yes, can understand we all that. saw pushing daisies <laughs> that's not did i make pushing daisies yeah you did i made pushing you daisies did. In a I fucked up. You also made haze. dag. I, really, I made dag too. What mm-hmm. the fuck is the matter with me? Why does no and one the, stop me? And the Tracy Morgan show. For a while, <laughs> you were doing network African American sitcoms. Jesus. Yeah. Some of them. I didn't. You and Greer would later collaborate on Chocolate News. Oh my god! I never even watched any of the show. Yeah. You should have watched him. And where's the Frankly, money? Frankly, you should have written more jokes. <laughs> you had quite a lost weekend. It sounded like. I can't. Uh, I, well, I'm going to have to talk to Comedy Central about some royalties. <laughs> I never got any checks for any of this stuff. Well, listen, gang. On Jordan, Jesse, go. Uh, we have a policy. It's our it's our Jumbotron policy, sure. uh, which is we will share a personal or business message for you. You just contact our development director, Teresa, at Teresa at MaximumFun.org. Forward a certain amount of money, uh, $100 for a personal announcement, 150 for a commercial announcement. We will share your announcement to all of our fans on the air. Um, this week, watch back episodes of Chocolate News on Netflix <laughs> On Demand. Well, well, wait until my litigation pans out. Oh, okay, I don't sorry. want people watching until I get a cut. Okay. Uh, we do have a personal message this week. Uh, Tim would like to wish Michelle hmm. a happy birthday. She's oh. his uh, beautiful wife. I'm working from the description. Sure. I've never seen a photograph of Michelle. She listens to our program. She's probably pretty good looking. Yeah. Right? It's all subjective anyway. 26-year-old woman. She's a beautiful woman. That's a good yeah. age. It's yeah. a good age. Everybody's good at 26. Good bod. Yeah, yep. I got a nice tight bod. Tight bod <laughs> I don't think this is what uh, Tim had in mind, no, did he? Tim asked us to talk about, talk about a nice tight bod. bod. <laughs> okay, <all right. laughs> she asked us to bounce a quarter off that ass. <laughs> wow, G- Tim. All right. He did. Huge cans. Um, <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Tim, Tim and Michelle went on a road trip, a 13,000-mile, two-and-a-half-month road trip that ended with their marriage in Las Vegas last year. Romantic. Uh, Wait, 13,000 like miles? 13,000-mile, two-and-a-half-month road trip. They started in Fiji. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, wow. Drove their aqua car. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, to, to the beautiful Michelle from Tim, a very happy birthday. Um, if you have a message you want us to share on Jordan Jesse, go email Teresa at maximumfun.org. If you have a wife you'd like us to ogle, <laughs> send JPEGs. <laughs> send nip slip pics. <laughs> Upskirts and nip slip pics. <laughs> we'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jesse, go. La, la, la.
It's Jordan, Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. Curtis Gwynn. Uh, yep, that'll do it. Christian Science Monitor. Okay, yeah, I that? like it. Yeah. You cover the world. Yes, we do. I screwed it up again. You I, have no. You don't have any religious slant, even though you would think from the name that you do, you're actually one of the world's finest newspapers. Exactly. People assume from the Christian science part that we're just going to be some wackadoos who go, hey, here's Jesus, and it's pretty scientific. That's not how it works at all, the Christian science monitor. We, you always have to worry a little bit about wackadoos. Yeah, well, I mean, of course. you walk If you walk this earth long enough, you're going to bump into some wackadoos, and they're going to give you a little slim slam, you know? <laughs> yeah. Hey. I know about the old wackadoo slim slam. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, you guys aren't old timey? You don't know old timey? Yeah, I know. Okay. Um, look, here's the thing. Yeah. Here on Jordan Jesse Go, we ask our listeners to call in when something momentous happens to them for a segment called Momentous Occasions. Terrific. So when something amazing happens to them, we ask they call 206 984 4FUN and report back to us. Uh, we have some momentous occasions this week on the program. Let's hear them. Hi, Jordan, Jesse Go, and possible guest. Um, I guess this is a, po- a moment of possible shame. I introduced my boyfriend to your podcast a couple weeks ago, and now he's listening to it religiously. And I guess last week, uh, Jordan mentioned, I think it was Jordan, mentioned something about giving Felicio after putting Alka-Seltzer in your mouth, and now he wants me to try it. So I'm wondering, is this something I should try? And if so, what could be the possible outcome? Any advice would be greatly appreciated. Thank you. Now, okay. <laughs> I don't think it was me. I don't remember saying that. I don't remember anyone on Jordan Jesse Go talking about that. I will say that the possible outcome is that he ejaculates. <laughs> right. <laughs> or is but also burns off. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah, that's yeah, isn't that uh, if you feed a seagull an alka seltzer? That's the that's the at least the urban myth. Anyway, I don't know if that's actually. Yeah, the I don't case. know if it's true. I don't know if it's true, but it, it could it could, could be. be true. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. It S- could just reduce the inflammation in his penis. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was, but penis inflammation is what you want. You want an inf- inflamed, engorged member. Yeah, you, you don't you don't want it uh, def- deflaming, right? right? No, 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 no. You want it flaming. You want a flaming. You day. want a flamed a flaming, penis. Flaming cock, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't think that's number something... one. I think that she has her her boyfriend is obviously an Alka-Seltzer fetishist. Sure. And has Maybe implanted just, uh, yeah. in her mind the idea that at some point, one, because she knows, her boyfriend knows that she trusts us. Mm-hmm. And why wouldn't she? We're trustworthy young men. Yeah. We're not sure. gonna, we don't go around sticking our, sticking our dicks in Alka-Seltzer holes. No. Sure. We're not that kind of guy. If I knew where there was an Alka-Seltzer, Alka-Seltzer hole, I, w- I might, but... Right, I mean, I so would I. I. I'm not seeking them out. I, I would tap it. I will lightly brush my dick with Pepto. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Before jerking it. What did she... Okay, sorry. And am I really into Kaopectate? Yes. I I think it's the color, though. It's the color. It's not effervescent. I've heard... Uh, I've heard that uh, if a man is performing uh, the oral sex on a lady, if he has like an Altoid or a Lifesaver in his mouth, that adds a little cool menthol sensation to it. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. God, you, the decadence. The fact, you know, <laughs> I, I, I just, I just, I'm just happy enough just to, to, to get there. I, sure. I, I'm not so you, bored ex- by it you're all. You're excited to get to touch a boob. Yes. When I'm reaching out and I'm grabbing, I'm getting a little something and it's, <laughs> 
it's happening for me. I'm not like, you know what we need? I've got a an old roll of mint lifesavers at the bottom of my backpack. Will you, sure. will you don't grab just, those? You don't just go, you don't just go oh. into your medicine cabinet and just just see what you've got. What well, can I got we, some, what do we got? Here? What got some preparation use? H's. What can uh, this girl put in her mouth? What can she, what can she put in her mouth? I got some Boy Scout caramel corn. <laughs> if I'm going to have to endure this awful blowjob, <laughs> what will make this at least moderately pleasurable? <sighs> okay, let's go back to that. We we don't, we can't recommend, we can't endorse that. Yeah, yes. she must have got that off Radio Lab. That said, if she, <laughs> Yeah, that was probably Radio <laughs> Lab. Those creeps are Radio let's get, Lab. Let's, I've got Jad's number. Let's get Jad on the phone. Yeah. And see Jad, what it, we want to talk about blowjobs. <laughs> but you know what? We, we have to be careful. If we get Jad on the line, we don't want to get Krollwitch on the line because they're just going to start bickering. <laughs> and then, yeah, we're going to have to go to the tape. Okay, here we go. Hey, George, Jesse Go. Uh, this is Josh. Uh, you almost certainly don't remember me from Judge John Hodgman, episode number three but I thought I would call in with a momentous occasion. Um, I am a mechanical engineer at a national laboratory, and I saw a pretty amazing outfit this morning. Um, One of the mechanical designers who literally designs things to go into a particle accelerator uh, came in this morning wearing uh, black basketball sneakers. Uh, I could tell they were basketball sneakers because they had large orange basketballs on the side of them. Uh, he was wearing black windbreaker track pants with zippers near the uh, feet, and he was wearing a all-black fur coat. Uh, so I thought that was pretty amazing. Uh, thanks. Bye. I have it to. It sounds like he was going to go play basketball. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. that, what was weird about that? With yeah. Clyde Frazier specifically. Yes. yes. He was specifically, I was, I have to admit, the very beginning of this call where he says, I almost certainly don't remember him from Judge Sean Hodgman episode three, I had this, I had this two-sided reaction to that. Mm-hmm. The first was, I was offended. I was like, we've only made, there's only been so far seven episodes of Judge John Hodgman. I remember the fucking people from Judge John Hodgman. <laughs> and this was only three weeks ago that this guy was on the program. He t- I talked to him for half an hour and then I sat for hours editing it. Like, I remember this guy. Don't be fucking ridiculous. And I was like, oh, I don't remember this guy at all. Wow. Who he was <laughs> Josh? What was episode three? His low self-esteem was so justified. Yeah, yeah. it turns out oh, to be man. actually pretty reasonable. Sorry, Josh. I think, you know, I think more people should wear more fur coats. Just as a general rule, I'd like to see more fur coats in action. Now, I don't, I'm not saying that you should kill more animals to make more fur coats. There are plenty of them in circulation. I'd just like to see them out and about more. Sure. Josh, I recommend that you wear a fur coat to be more memorable to people. I mean, if, right. if you're this forgettable guy. I think that's the issue. Remember, you're talking about Mr. Particle Accelerator. You're not, you're not Mr. Particle Accelerator. People are talking yeah. about that guy. He's On Not only is he, is, he, is he designing things for particle accelerators, he's dressing like Prince. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty good. Hi, Jordan and Jesse. This is Jen Bokoff from Brooklyn, New York, and I'm calling with a momentous occasion. Today I got a job, even though I have one already, but it's a better, newer, awesomer job in philanthropy, which is what I want to do. And then, because I got the job, I was able to sign up for Max Funcon, so I'll be going for the first time this year. So anyway, I'm really psyched, and I just wanted to let you all know all right. Have a good night. Bye. She sounds hot, right? Yep. I zoned out. I I feel embarrassed. I zoned out while she talked. 
That was embarrassing. That's embarrassing. What did yeah. she say? What did she Is say? Is this another one of your complicated podcast mind games? <laughs> no, I really did. While she was doing that, I just started thinking about She started talking. I don't know if it's a judgment on her or on me. Because she started she talking. She had a relatively quiet voice. Yeah. What she did she She wasn't say? as insistent. She's going to Max FunCon. She got a new oh, job. Okay. And she's going to Max FunCon. I think that's great. Puts her in select company, Jordan. There's only five slots for Max mm. FunCon left right now. Yeah. Five beds available oh for Max FunCon. When you say beds, it's a it's a whole weekend or it's what a whole it? weekend thing. It goes Friday through Sunday. And it's like a, at a camp or something? We're or? talking about you're talking about a former hunting lodge that's mm-hmm. been transformed into uh during the summer it is a camp. It's a family camp though. So it's like it's adult accommodation. It's not like bunk rooms. And if people go to this, you're telling me that they become better people, they Oh god, yes. Their personality. Jordan, you've been. Oh yeah, God, I was a I was a huge prick before Max FunCon. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean uh, people people remember that. I mean the now we were I'm doing Jordan tolerable. Jessica back then. Yeah. I am now tolerable. What we, uh, tolerable what is it, moment summertime? might be a stretch. What is it, summertime? We're looking at June 10th through 12th. Mm. I'm going to ra- panty rage your whole thing. We have oh, not. Wow. <laughs> oh, shit. I'm going to get a little camp next door. You're going to have a rival con? We're gonna have Maybe like, an evil con. <laughs> fresh, fresh air kid con. Oh. We're going to set up our oh. camp, bad boy camp, and we're going to panty raid. That's oh. it. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. You know what? How yeah. about this? How about Fresh Air Kid Camp? I invite them up to Max FunCon for our stand-up comedy show that's in the outdoor too amphitheater. Too condescending. It's in the outdoor amphitheater. We don't want to be invited. We want to raid. We, we crash. If we get invited, it defeats the the purpose of uh, Fresh Air Kid Camp. Yeah. You don't even you don't even want to come to the uh, you don't even want to come to the s'more roast. We want all the s'mores you can eat. Fresh Air Kid Camp. I'll tell you think what we'll it. do. We'll sit off I don't about twenty have enemies, feet away. Jordan? We'll sit 20 feet away no, and we'll I think, sneer. I disagree. I think enemies will make this whole thing more fun. Really? Can you yeah, imagine if you had like battles against the, the, the evil camp that was next door? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I'm doing but it. yes, sounded hot, and I think I heard a little elk seltzer <laughs> in her mouth when she was talking. <laughs> oh, oh, Lord. Oh, Christ. I should be shot. <laughs> hey, Jordan, Jesse, go and guest. This is Tucker <laughs> calling from Anchorage, Alaska. And I have a momentous occasion. Um, calling it in about a month late because I just got back into the U.S. Uh, some friends and I were sailing a boat down the coast of Mexico the past two months. And at one point we were spear fishing off the coast of a small island. And <laughs> it turned out that it was actually an uncharted uh, Mexican prison island. <clears throat> and so we were boarded by a boat full of Mexican military officials and at gunpoint made to sail our boat back to the prison harbor and were then taken ashore and held for about nine hours in the general population of a Mexican maximum security prison. Uh, finally, they contacted the U.S. Embassy, found out that we were not, in fact, smuggling drugs, which is why they had uh, taken us hostage in the first place. And we were allowed to sail off into the sunset. So that was pretty fucking terrifying. Thanks, guys. This isn't a penguin in the pants, right? Yeah, it doesn't sound like it. I What's mean, a penguin in the pants? Uh, that's someone's a bullshit call. What, how did that? Is that something you guys made up? or? Yeah. Yeah, all we're right. pretty cool. All right. We're, we're pretty into neologisms. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. I like it. So you think this guy was lying? 
Mm, I kind of don't think he was lying. Yeah. I think yeah. it's real. I think it's real, too. You know, you never hear stories about foreign governments behaving fairly or efficiently. Like anytime <laughs> you hear a story about the foreign police or the foreign government, it's when they're doing something crazy. I was lost in Basel. I was in Lucerne in Switzerland. <laughs> sure. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the government came up and they... I didn't... was feeling really tight in my upper back. <laughs> well, this guy sounds like... Well, first of all, I don't know. What's he doing? Why are they just sailing around? They should have shot him. I know. If, no, that, no, no. I take it back. I take it back. They should not have shot him. They should have stabbed him. They should have. They, a little warning stab in the hand. Yeah. Hammer to the head. Hammer, hammer, hammer to, to the, the head. Rip torn If they style. want to make a real fucking movie. Yeah. If they don't want to be whorehouses. Yeah. <laughs> whorehouses. <laughs> we'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jesse Go. It's Jordan, Jesse, Go, I'm Jesse Thorne, America's Radio Sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. And Curtis Gwynn. This is your last shot, Curtis. Oh, God. Gatorade. <laughs> you nailed it in the uh, at the buzzer. Gatorade. You could have you could have fucked it all up and said Powerade. Yeah, no, no. But you went with the good My stuff. My new nickname's Gatorade. Yeah. Everybody mark that down. How about G2? G- I'll go for G2. Sure. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you What is G2? Much. It's a type of Gatorade. Yeah, is it really? It's for something. I thought it was a they television have, network. I, the other day I tried to buy some Gatorade. I was genuinely so bewildered by the array of Gatorades that have specific purposes Yeah, that I just bought something else. Sure. It's, a, it's daunting. <laughs> well, like what? an old man at a cell phone store. Yeah. You just walk out with a, with a, with with a walkie-talkie or a remote-controlled car. So you got <laughs> so confused. <laughs> just give me a goddamn train set and let's be done with is this. Is this place called the Shack now? Is this the Radio Shack? Oh, you no. do sell PCP, Angel <laughs> Dust. <laughs> that was a failed name change, sir. That was it was a new Coke situation. I like us. to get crazy high. <laughs> I'm ripped torn. <laughs> I woke up in a bank with a gun. <laughs> oh God, where am I? In a bank? <laughs> Um, it's really been a joy to have you on the program, Curtis. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Hey, can I wish both of you guys a uh, happy holidays and yes, Merry Christmas? You Merry may. Christmas, Happy Holidays, all that good stuff. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna take a little holiday break. I'm headed up to the Bay Area for for uh, the, the Christmas holiday. Are you gonna do any Christmas stuff, Jordan? I'm gonna go in a like a pit. Really? Like a hole in the ground? Like a hole in the ground? Yeah. Is it a? Do you got any got any furniture in there? No. Fire? No. No, really, really, no fire. No, it's just a pit. What yeah. are you gonna eat? I, I hadn't planned on here eating. in Los Angeles. Maybe something or... will go into my mouth. Where, oh like no, Alka Seltzer. Yeah, a good Alka Seltzer tablet. Unbelievable. Yeah. Is Where... this a weird fucking pit? No, no. I it's a it's a celibacy pit if anything. Oh, <laughs> oh. No. you need to know this. So you need you... to to go the opposite direction. I think get on a tower. 
I think you should be in a tower for the holidays. Oh. Curtis, Curtis has a good point. You yeah. should be in a tower, yeah. not in a pen. Yeah. You think it's too late? Do you think all the towers are booked? All the holiday towers? <laughs> I think there's some discount towers. You, you know what? At this I, time I, of year, that, I booked that pit three months ago. <laughs> Jordan, a lot of people think that you can't get any good values, but if you go to Expedia, you go to kayak.com, oh. uh, even if you hotwire it, seriously, right now, hotwire it, Look for three and a half stars or higher. Because Holiday fuck tower. <laughs> it doesn't have to be a fuck tower. Why does it go? Oh, Can I thought just... it was a direct antidote to my celibacy pit. Yeah, no, all you need to do is bring... tower. Oh, okay. If you bring the Alka-Seltzer to the tower, it's going to be a fuck tower. Yeah, right? So. Once a lady hears that you've got Alka-Seltzer in a fucking tower, a holiday tower specifically. Mm. <laughs> that is some real, like... I don't know. It sounds like hick advice. I don't know. If you bring Alka-Seltzer to a tower, it's going to be a fuck tower. There's <laughs> <laughs> two ways about it, man. That's the way it's going to go down. I'm sorry. That's it. No, that shit. Ever since I, I learned that my senior year of high school, I've been using it ever since. <laughs> you get yourself a tower. You get yourself a good tower. You get a whole thing of Alka-Seltzer. It's got to be the holidays. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it doesn't It doesn't got to be the holidays on the calendar. You can just make yourself some fucking mm-hmm. gingerbread in there. Then you start <laughs> chewing up some Alka-Seltzer and you suck your own dong. <laughs> and you got yourself a fucky tower. <laughs> We're doing some character work, Jordan. <laughs> yeah. get, they're getting weirder, too. The characters are getting stranger and... More less likes. I can talk to certain birds. You probably (laughs) have a huge fan base in the South. I would love to know from your fan base from the South what it's like. I mean, basically, they grow up, yeah, with their accent, right? More more so than I talked to some really classy, sophisticated people on Judge John Hodgman last week that had real Southern accents. Yes, they were from Huntsville, right? And uh, they had serious Southern accents and. it made me really wish I had a really cool southern accent. It is such a fun particular thing when it's, it's done a, right. It's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I'm from New England and there's just nothing. No. Even I, the, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not from far enough north. Up north, they kind of, but it's annoying. But it's yeah. more dumb than yeah. It's, I don't know. Where are we going up there? We're going to have oh. a house up there. Oh. oh, goodness. Oh, that's Stephen King lives in that house. Oh, like, huh. oh no. I'm Jordan. At the I, end of Stephen King Drive. <laughs> People have been listening to this program. They've been waiting for two things. Number one, more talk about Werner Herzog, which we're going to have to save for the new year. Sure. Number two, they've been wondering about your meetup in Seattle. Oh, the meetup went fantastic. Uh, great turnout. Very nice bunch. When you say great turnout, how many would you say? Hundreds? No, I think uh, 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 in in and out, I think at its zenith, I think we had about uh, 30 people. It's pretty good. It is pretty I mean, good. I had about 40, 45 at the DC meeting. Yeah, but most of them were losers. Oof. There were those black people that liked the Beastie Boys. Oh, yeah, no. So. <laughs> Just know, kidding, black people. That I, they were probably my favorite people. I had a great time talking to the black people types. that liked the Beastie Boys. Yeah, great. It was, a, it was a ton of fun. I, I, uh, I, uh, many, many thanks to everybody who came out. Seemed like folks nice on the forum were talking about what a blast they welcoming. had. Uh, and, uh, you know, it looks, I think. Some people got together a carpool from Portland. Sure, yes. Uh, people came from <laughs> far and wide. Yeah. Uh, I used to live in Portland. Oregon. They had to figure yeah, out which one of their cool, friends huh? had a car. The Portlanders, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. You can't all climb on a unicycle. <laughs> yeah, precisely. Get down there. Um, and might be mm-hmm. another Jordan Morris meetup sooner than you might think. Really? Where should people keep stay tuned to if they want to know about this? Uh, keep uh, keep checking the forum. Keep, keep checking the forum. And sure, as soon as it's official, of course, we'll put it in the events page on MaximumFun.org. Uh, and this is, might be for the people uh, on, the, uh, on the East Coast. 
Really? Oh. You're not going to reveal anything more than that? No, that's that's I'm, that's a tease. Do north the accent. Of, north Do or the south accent. of yeah. the... Yeah. Hi! Come to the meetup! Delaware. 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 Yeah, it is central <laughs> Delaware. <laughs> yeah. New Hampshire. Live free or die! <laughs> uh, uh, what happens at the Max? What happens at a Jordan meetup? Uh, well, here's some of the topics discussed. Uh, continuity in the Terminator franchise. Jesus oh, man. Christ. Uh, oh, Lord. I thought you said this was a cool meetup. <laughs> it is. Continuity in the Terminator franchise. Oh, uh, continuity in the Jurassic Park franchise. Oh, man. Uh, Dead Rising 2. There's no Fable sex that three. happens at this stuff. I thought that's the whole Th- point of having a meetup. Than sex. Aren't these like key parties, these meetups? I thought you guys went in these meetups. And You're just thinking like... of those Howard Dean meetups from the <laughs> dawn of meetups. <laughs> uh, yeah. Those were the ones that were the real key party type situations. Oh, man, I was born too late. I really wanted in on a Howard Dean fuck, fuck tower party. Yeah. Okay, I want to I mention two other things before we go. Uh, they are these. Uh, number one, our friend Graham Clark from Stop Podcasting Yourself, the co-host of our sister program, Stop Podcasting Yourself, our sister program, North of the Border, uh, had been talking on his show about beard paintings. Uh, which is paintings that, in theory, he would create with his beard. Sort of like an elephant creates a painting with its snoot. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) The snoot, yeah. It turns out that that Graham has a close friend uh, who has a uh, 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 type of uh, cancer that needs a very special uh, treatment. Uh, It's quite expensive. Um, and so he has actually begun to create these beard paintings with his beard, and they're on eBay, uh, and all the sales benefit his friend's uh, medical care. And I have to say, I'm pretty impressed at how attractive these paintings are. I expected them to be bullshit, but they're actually pretty good looking. So how much are they, how much are they running for? There was, there was a first round, and they mostly went in the range of $1 to $200 Canadian, wow. which I think is pretty good. It's for a good cause. It's great. You get to own a piece of Stop Podcasting Yourself history. So you can type Graham Clark beard painting into eBay and find them that way. There's a link on our website. There's a link in the forum, et cetera, et cetera. Also, in addition to that, Hey, we're headed to San Francisco, Jordan. Yes, we are. We're going to be visiting our friends at the San Francisco Sketch Fest. There's going to be a Monsters of Podcasting show with our uh, very good friends, You Look Nice, today. That will be on January 23rd. Uh, The day before that, January 22nd, I will be doing The Sound of Young America live with uh, special guests uh, Baron Vaughn, uh, Bobcat Goldthwaite, um, uh, the gentleman who uh, created The Life and Times of Tim, Steve Dildarian, I want to say his name is. I think I'm getting that right. And John Vanderslice. And possible surprise guests. We'll see. Um, January 22nd and 23rd. And your sketch group Hot Mess is going to be doing something at yes, Sketch Yes, uh, that Curtis is the director of, oh, making yeah. this whole thing Oh, I didn't very even know incestuous. that. Very incestuous. Uh, yes, uh, I think, uh, gosh, I forget the specific weekend, but I think uh, Hot Mess will be there uh, uh, at the Dark Room Theater uh, on the 13th, I believe, and, sure. uh, and then uh, Monsters of Podcasting on the 23rd. So, so we're, looking, yes. we're looking forward to that. So uh, we'll talk to you next time. 206-984-4FUN, the number to call if you want to ask us a question, you want to send us a momentous occasion, a moment of shame, uh, just whatever you like. Uh, you can also email us at jjgo at maximumfun.org. We're online at maximumfun.org where you can check out all of our awesome shows. MaxFunCon.com if you want to join us in Lake Arrowhead in June. And uh, we'll see you next time right here on Jordan, Jesse, Go. Thanks, Curtis. Yeah, thank you.